This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, how is everybody doing on this beautiful Wednesday evening? Amen. It's the last Wednesday of August. That's good news, friends. That means that September's around the corner, and then we're a mere 90 days from Christmas. Come on, somebody. But until then, we're called to spiritual warfare. So let's, <laughs> it's the best segue of all time. Uh, we're starting a series tonight because, you know, usually I'm a guy that does series and it's, it's almost September and I don't think I've been able to do a whole series this year just because of how things have been. So I'm excited. I've been doing some studying and I am excited to start a series we're going to do over the next few Wednesday nights. So don't miss. You gotta be here or you're not gonna get the full picture. But the title of our series is gonna be called this Call of Duty Spiritual Warfare. Yeah. We're gonna be talking about some spiritual warfare. And, you know, it's an interesting thing, man. There's a lot of people that, that they don't, they don't realize any of this stuff that, I mean, that you really do have an enemy out there. This isn't just something we made up. There is an enemy. There is a, you know, not just the devil. He's got demons and all this other stuff. And does that mean we're afraid of that? No, we're not afraid of that. But we acknowledge the fact that, that there is an enemy. And we have to realize that the Bible does call us to fight the good fight of faith that calls us to spiritual warfare. Now, the problem is, is that a whole lot of Christians they have no idea how to fight spiritual warfare. They, they're not prepared even one bit. That'd be like throwing me out in the middle of a battlefield somewhere, you know, in Iraq or so. I really wouldn't know what to do. I have no training in that type of stuff. But I am blessed in this regard that I was raised in a home where my parents did teach me how to fight spiritually. You know, I hear different dads talk all the time and say, well, I raised my boys to fight. I taught them how to. And, you know, to be honest, my dad never one time, my dad never once taught me how to fight anybody. Not not one day of my life. And that's fortunately I've, uh, I'm, you know, it's, it's that's not ever really made a difference because, you know, when you're nice to people, you don't really get beat up that much. So anyway, but but besides that fact, my parents did teach me, though, how to fight the devil. How to fight the good fight of faith. And I can say that has come in handy countless times. That comes in handy every single day. Now, I'm, that's not saying that I, you know, I know all about this and I know everything there is to know about it. But I do know this much. That if more Christians would realize that there is a war and that you have an enemy, but you have the goods to win the battle. And if you would at least put up some sort of a fight, we'd be in a lot better shape. But there's too many Christians. They just get thumped around in life all the time. The devil's kicking them up the street like a tin can. And they're like, oh, well, I can't wait to get to heaven. When we get in the sweet by and by, there will be healing. When we get to heaven, we'll finally have peace. When we finally are in the presence of Jesus, we'll really know joy. And that's all good and well. And yeah, there will be nothing to compare to heaven. But listen, your life doesn't have to stink on earth. Because when Jesus was praying, he said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus was praying, man, I, I want it to be good down here on earth like it is in heaven. Your life doesn't have to stink. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be miserable and hate your very existence. It doesn't have to 
to be that way, but chances are it will be that way if you never learn how to fight, how to fight a spiritual warfare. And so we're going to get into some stuff over the next few weeks. And tonight we're going to establish a few things, but we're going to study the armor of God because I know a lot of people that can tell you, yeah, there's the, you know, the helmet of salvation. They know what the whole, but they don't know what any of these things mean. We're going to break that down and study the armor of God out of Ephesians 6 over the next few weeks because I believe that you really should actually know what that's all about. And, uh, and I'm telling you what, man, this is going to be like, this is going to be some kind of Christian boot camp for the next few weeks, okay? Be here. Be here, man. Be here and watch what God's going to do in your life. Amen. And so let's go ahead and pray and then we're going to just tackle this because we on Wednesday nights we are on a time limit. So we're going to try to fit at this in tonight. Let's go. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, so much for who you are, God. We love you, not because you do great things for us. I don't even love you just because you healed me of cancer, Lord. I love you because I love you. There's nobody like you. You are the greatest in all of the universe, Lord. Nobody's even in the same league that you're in. Nobody is worthy for us to raise our hands to except for you, Jesus. We love you. And Lord, I pray tonight that as we open the word of God, you'll speak to each of us, Lord. I pray that you'll show us what we need to see. And Lord, if there's things that we don't want to hear, but it's the truth that we need to hear, tell us, Lord, even if we don't like it, tell us the truth so we can change and be who you've called us to be. And so we can quit losing in this life. We thank you for it. In Jesus name, everybody said, amen. So the first thing to establish tonight is this. Number one, okay, number one, we are at war. We are at war. And, and you know, I remember I went with my best friend when he got sworn into the to the Marine Corps right out of high school. And, uh, and they told him, you know, all the guys that were getting sworn in, they said, listen, you all re- you recognize and realize this nation is at war right now, right? And they're all like, yeah, we understand that. But he said, we're not at peace. This isn't peacetime. We are actively involved in a war right now. You realize that before you raise your hand. And and they all realized it, of course. But I think a lot of us need to realize like, hey, I mean, I've got the peace of God in my life. I wake up and am doing fabulous every day. But at the same time, I am aware of the fact that there is a war going on all around us. Every single day, my head is not in the sand about this. I know how real this is. It's a real thing. So look over here at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Who's glad they came tonight? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 3 and 4 in the New King James here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to look at a few verses here because there is, I mean, there is a lot of mention in the New Testament regarding us being at war, regarding spiritual warfare. Now, there are people that take some of this stuff to the extreme, okay? I mean, you know, I was just listening to Brother Hagen. He has a series about this topic. I was listening to it on YouTube. And he said there, there's some people that they're, they're so extreme about everything. There's some people on this side of the extreme say, oh, that, that's not true. There's not spiritual warfare. That's, there's, that's, there's no truth to that. You know, but then there's other people that are like all about it and to the extreme. I met one lady in town here. She took it to the extreme. <laughs> she thought there was a portal out there by the drive in and she would go out there and wage warfare with the devil and go into the other realm. I'm like, dude, 
you that you are weird. Get away. <laughs> That's weird. She even had a, a an outfit that she wore for her spiritual warfare. Yeah, I, I, you know, and you don't you don't get to change clothes. You can just get your Bible out. And t- but anyway, that that's extreme. That's weird. And I'm not I'm not anywhere near that. That is messed up and and weird. And you and you know you wonder you see someone like that. And if they're so good at spiritual warfare, why are they always getting their behind kicked? Like every time you see them, their life's in the dumps. Like you should be an expert at this. You even have the outfit to go fight. Like anyway. Second Corinthians 10, three through four. We're going to be balanced on this topic and we're not going to be weird, but we're not going to pretend like it doesn't exist either. You know what I mean? We're going to be right in the middle of the road. Second Corinthians 10 verses three through four says, for though we walk in the flesh. All right. So we, we walk in a natural physical body. We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. That's good, man. That is a good verse right there. And so it says, listen, though we live in a natural body, we're not fighting a natural war. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not physical. We aren't using physical weapons to fight the devil. I mean, if you could shoot him, I would have done that 30 years ago. I would just let's put an end to this whole charade. Let's just shoot him. But you can't because the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not physical. We use God's weapons to fight this warfare and they are mighty. They pull down strongholds in people's lives. And I'm telling you what, man, there is such a thing as strongholds. The devil has some people in a stronghold. Have you ever seen an addicted person? Have you ever seen somebody that is oppressed by the devil, man? They want to get free, but they can't. They are in a stronghold. They are locked up and they can't get out of it. And listen, there's no physical weapon to fight that battle with. You know what I mean? There's, there's, if there was, I mean, come on, we would market that and we'd get it out to the whole world as fast as we could. There's not a physical weapon that can go out and break a demonic stronghold on somebody's life. But man, I tell you what, the smallest child in this church could go out there and break down that stronghold by using the name of Jesus, by using some scripture. Come on. So listen to me. This isn't rocket science, but we got to know that the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, the thing is, this is we rely obviously so much on our natural senses. That's how we live our life. And so a lot of us are like, we, we don't realize the magnitude of, you know, and I'm not being weird here. We, we don't even talk about this stuff all the time. But, but if you could just see into the spiritual world for a minute, man, you would realize, like, this stuff is real. You know, in the book of Second Kings, Elisha, you know, I share this story a lot because it's one of my favorite Bible stories. But he had a whole bunch of armies coming against him. Okay, because Elisha, he was a prophet and he could see things and he was telling the king of Israel every move that the enemy was going to make before it ever even happened. He like, hey, they're going to cut in from the north side. They're going to come in and bring 300 soldiers in the back. And boom, Israel always made the right move. Well, then the enemy found out they always know what we're going to do because of this guy over here. He tells the king every time we got to go kill him. And so the armies are swarming the mountain where Elisha lives. And he has his assistant 
and, 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 and they're up there and they see all these armies coming in and the assistant is getting, he's getting terrified. He's like, what are we going to do? We're surrounded on every side. And Elisha's practically laughing. He's like, oh my gosh, are you for real right now? There's more on our side than there is on their side. And the guy's like, no, there's not. There's two of us and a billion of them. And Elisha prays and he says, God, for just one minute, open his eyes and let him see what I'm seeing. And so God opens this young man's eyes and all around all around them, every side, 360, he sees the angelic army, the, the, the Lord of hosts, the, 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 the armies of heaven. There are thousands, there are millions of angels on horses with swords surrounding that mountain. And the guy's like, okay, there's more on our side than there is against us. But he had his eyes open for just just a minute there, and he saw that this is a real thing. And I mean, I'd like to see something like that. I've never seen anything like that. But I tell you what, I don't have to see it to believe it, okay? I don't have to see every single thing that the Bible talks about to believe it. Like, I won't believe that till I see it. If that's where you're at, you're not going to be a very good Christian. Because chances are you're not going to see Jesus until you get to heaven. And if you have to see him to believe in him, you've got no faith at all. So listen to me. We are in a warfare because Second Corinthians 10 tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And you got to realize this, that there are angels and there are demons. There is God. There is Satan. And they're all real. But the good news is, is that God is on our side. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Amen? So there's no need to be afraid, man. But you, you need to get excited that you have been, you've, you've been sworn into God's army. The minute that you said, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son and that he raised you from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart. When you said, I promise that I'll live for you, you enlisted. Now, a lot of people don't take it serious and they're terrible, pathetic soldiers. But I want us to be a church full of people that are absolute gung ho. I mean, Navy SEAL combat, go kill some demons. I'm talking about some warfare, some spiritual warriors. But if you don't even think the enemy's real, you're going to be an awful soldier. What if they said, okay, you're enlisted. You've made it through. You've made it through boot camp. We're going to send you over here to this war zone. You're like, I'm not going. They don't, they don't even, he's not even real. <laughs> Al-Qaeda, ISIS, whatever, whoever we're fighting. They aren't even, I don't even, I don't even believe in them. So I'm not going. They're like, you don't believe in them? Really? Would you like to meet them? Because I saw just on the news last week, there was a nice young snowflake millennial couple. I'm a millennial, so I can say that. But they were like, we want to prove that there's no evil in the world. Did you see this story? Anybody? True story. Go to Google, okay? So, but they, they're like, evil's a made-up concept. Everybody is good by nature, and we're going to prove this. We're going to go, and they went over to like Pakistan, and they're like, just watch this. We're going to spend, we're going to go out there and camp out with ISIS themselves and, and prove that all you that are wanting to fight this war, you're just making this up. You know how long they lasted? ISIS cut their heads off within like a day. So not everybody is just good by nature. And let me tell you, the devil is not good. There is an enemy. And to say that he doesn't exist or to say that, oh, it's, I don't know, it's rainbows and ponies and it's all. 
man, you're going to get your head cut off, dude. You're going to get your butt kicked, and then you're going to come in here wondering what happened. Listen, you, we're not afraid of the enemy. We're not afraid at all. But we do acknowledge the fact that there is a war going on. And so point number two is this, is that Satan is the enemy. And most of you think that other people are your enemy. You think that your ex-girlfriend's your enemy. Your, you know, you think your boss is your enemy. You think the annoying guy at work. You think the politician. You think, you think these are your enemies and that's why you get your behind kicked all the time. Because you're focusing on human beings as being the enemy. Human beings are not the enemy. The devil is the enemy. Now, I'm going to hit some verses here. So if you can't keep up, write them down, okay? But the first thing I'm going to go to is Ephesians 6, 12. So the devil is real. Uh, 48% of the American population thinks that the devil is just a symbolic figure out of Scripture, that he is not a real uh, individual. He, it's when, when the scripture refers to Satan, to the devil, uh, they believe that, that that's a symbolic thing. You know, that just, that's just a, a synonym for evil. Well, it's not a synonym for evil, though the devil is evil. The devil is real. And uh, the, the word devil comes from the Greek word diabolos, and that means a slanderer, a false accuser. Does that sound like what he does? He, fall, he brings up your mistakes all the time. You're going to sit here and pray and you know what you did back then and you have the audacity to sit here and pray. That's the devil talking. And you're sitting there. You're right. I couldn't. I don't even know why I even try. Man, I I know what I did. That's the devil. He's an accuser. He's a slanderer. And then the other thing that Diabolos means is to sever a relationship. And that right there is what the core of who the devil is. His biggest goal is to sever the relationship between you and God. And I'm convinced that his number one goal isn't to kill you physically. His number one goal is to get you to walk away from your father. And then he'd be glad to kill you after that. I mean, yeah, sure, after that, that'd be great. But his number one goal, because if if you're an on-fire Christian and he kills you right now, you just go to heaven. But if he can get you to walk away from your Heavenly thoughts to betray your father and walk away because it is possible, guys, to have at one point been a born again Christian going to heaven. And it is possible to walk away from that and now be going to hell. And I mean, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. And I'm not saying that every time you make a little mistake that now you're going to hell. No, but it is possible for somebody to walk away from the Lord. He would never walk away from you. But I do know people that have walked away from the Lord. And you can't tell me that, you know, the scripture says that drunkards and, and thieves and, and, and homosexuals and all this stuff. It says it's this whole list. It says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. You're going to tell me that because you became a member of a church at one point And now you go out and you live that lifestyle of adultery, fornication, homosexuality, whatever it is. And now you're going to say, oh, no, I'm a member of the church, so I'm still going to heaven. No, you're not. Anyway, that, that's not the topic tonight, but, um, but, but, but listen to me. There is a real enemy, and his goal is to sever your relationship and get you to walk away from God. That's what Diabolos means. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Really? We're not? No! Highlight that in your Bible, please, if you're somebody that can't get along with anybody else. 
you know who you are. You don't, you don't even need to raise your hand, but you know who you are. All right. If you're somebody that you just can't get along with anybody, if you're the type, man, my school's full of jerks, my work's my, you should see the people at my house, they're awful. If everywhere you go, you don't get along with people, highlight Ephesians 6, 12, for the love of everything holy. Highlight this verse. Because you are confused and you think that we are fighting against flesh and blood enemies. And, and that's, again, that's why we lose so many battles. Because you're fighting the wrong enemy. Anyway, so we're, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. And you can, I mean, that, that's a whole deep study right there that we're not going into. That's talking about all sorts of different kinds of demons. There's different classes of demons. There's different classes of angels that the Bible mentions. But that's talking about all sorts of different classes of devils right there. And it says, we're not fighting against people. We're fighting against this right here, against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world. And here we are spending all of our time like, man, I can't stand that guy. If there's just one, he says one more word to me, man, I'm going to blow. Come on. You got, I mean, we've got to get this together. Come on. Some of you hate people you don't even know. I've talked about this. I know people that hate Barack Obama. And they've never met him a day in their life, but they hate him. I know people that hate Donald Trump. They've never met him. I know people that hate all sorts, and they've never even met the person. And then they wonder why they're a weakling Christian. You've got hate in your heart, and you don't even know it. You hate somebody. If you could, you would just get them out of the picture and and, and, and annihilate. That is wrong. And then you're going to sit here, oh, Lord, save my child. Deliver me from evil. Deliver me from the wicked one, Jesus. <laughs> we got to, We got to do better than this, guys. Come on. We have got to grow up. Second Corinthians 4, 4. We got to go, man. Don't get me going. We got to go. Second Corinthians 4, 4. So we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. The point that I'm trying to make right here is that number two, Satan is the enemy. Satan is the enemy, not the person you don't like. Satan is the enemy. Second Corinthians 4, 4 in the New Living Translation says, Satan, who is the God of this world. What? The, it just told us right there that Satan is the God of this world. And Jesus said the same thing in John 17. And so listen to me. Satan is currently temporarily the God of this world says he's blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Do you know somebody that, that they're not a Christian and, and, and you're like, how can you not see this? They're blinded by the God of this. They're blind. I mean, you can't go up to a blind person and, and be like, how can you not see this? This is the most beautiful sunset I've ever seen. They can't. They're blind. They can't see it. Something's got to happen there. They've got to get some healing or, or some treatment or something. But you, you don't, don't, rack, don't beat your head against the wall wondering why they don't get it. And there's a lot of people that they, they're doing stupid things, man. I've got relatives. I've got friends. I've got people I love. They do moronic things every day. And you're like, how are they doing this? They're blind. They don't know. And why are they blind? Well, the God of this world, he's blind to the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. 
And so the scripture tells us right here, Satan is the God of this world. Well, that very obviously answers the question, well, if there is a God, then why do bad things happen? Well, listen to me. Satan's not my God. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. But to somebody that hasn't received Jesus into their life, we're talking about the general population of the earth. Those that have not made a decision to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, they're, you know, Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil. The devil's your dad. What? Jesus, Jesus said that. He said, you are of your father, the devil. No wonder you lie. No wonder you do bad things. It's just what your dad does. He taught you that way. And people are like, how dare you speak to me that way? And they got mad. But Jesus was just keeping it real. Satan is the God of this world. And so no wonder ungodly people go out and run into buildings and blow things up and hurt children and all this stuff. They're not submitted to God. They're just doing what their father's telling them to do. And so we say, well, God, if, if, if God's so real, then why did 9-11 happen? Oh, those weren't born again Christians that were, you know, being controlled by God Almighty that flew those things. Those, those were evil people, man, controlled by the devil and a false religion. I don't surprise doesn't shock me at all this stuff like that happens because Satan is the God of this world. If God was calling all the shots in this world, no one would ever get shot again because God is love. He hates murder. If God, if God was truly, you know, the one controlling everybody in this world, I mean, every churches would be filled up everywhere. We'd all be nice. You wouldn't wear your pajamas to food for less in the middle of the day. I mean, come on, just good stuff. Good stuff would happen. All right. If God was in charge of everybody on planet Earth. But Paul hit it on the head right here. Second Corinthians four, four. He says, Satan is the God of this world and he's blinded all these people. First Peter five, eight through nine. First Peter five, eight through nine. And so I'm giving you some scripture here to back up and verify the point that Satan is the enemy and that he is real. We could go further into this, but uh, but first Peter five, eight through nine. And I mean, I think this is just going to spell it out better than anything else. It says this verse eight. Stay alert. I mean, I hate going someplace and the employees are like asleep or playing on their phones. You ever, you know, going to a gas station and the clerks back there passed out or they're on their phone like, hey, wake up. Stay alert. What if I was a burglar or something? You'd never even know. But listen, there's a lot of Christians that they're not alert at all. And then the devil's smacking them across. Who did that? What was that? You know, that must have been that. No, the devil's eating your lunch over there and you don't even know it. Because you need to stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy who? The devil. It says it right there. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. And so listen to me. Stand firm and be strong in your faith. And it tells us right there, who is the enemy? The devil is the enemy. And we have got to realize this. And it says that he walks around like a roaring lion. I heard this story about this guy was at the zoo and the zookeeper goes right into the lion cage. 
and the you know the lion kind of growls at him a little bit, and the zookeeper pokes him with a stick and just keeps on. And the guy's like, "Whoa, pump the brakes! What's going on here? Why why did that? Why is it not killing you? Why why is that lion not attacking you?" He's like, "I'm, I'm not afraid of him." He's like, "You're not afraid of that thing? Why was he like raised in in civilization? Like, no, he's straight out of Africa, man. He's from the jungle. Like, this is real, man." And he's like, "So." You're not afraid of him, but he's not some tamed. He's like, no. He's like, then then what's the deal? The zookeeper says, oh, they pulled all his teeth and claws out. He couldn't hurt anybody if he wanted to. I'm not afraid of him. He growls, but he can't do any damage. I'm not afraid. Poke him with a stick. And that's how the devil is. Says he goes around like a roaring lion. He huffs and he puffs. And that's usually enough to take care of most Christians. They're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I need $300 by Friday, and I don't have it right now. What am I going to do? And the devil's like, okay, and just move on. And so there's a lot. Of, I've heard I heard Andrew Walmack talk about I mean, a lot of a lot of it. You don't you don't even need the devil. You're doing a fine enough job screwing up your life on your own. I mean, it's true. He's like the devil may have done something to you. He may have he may have pulled the trigger and, and caused the calamity in your life, but you gave him the pistol and loaded it for him and handed it to him. Then you want to, well, why is this happening, God? Why? Well, there's a lot of good reasons. I mean, do we need to go there? But seriously, don't give place to the devil and then, you know, wonder like, well, where was God? Where was he? Why, why, why? When you just, you let the devil in, you know, gave him all the stuff you needed. Hey, I'll be over in this room. And and when you're ready, come get me. I'll be back. You just come back and get. And basically, you know, that sounds so silly, but that's how it is. We don't ever go to the Lord until we're in an absolute dire situation. Where's that Bible? It's somewhere around here. Oh, let me get my phone out. Oh, the battery's dead. Oh, no. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? We've got to take this real. That is not staying alert. That is not being prepared. I mean, come on. I know the Marines, Tony back there and stuff. These guys, they take their rifles apart and all this stuff within a matter of seconds. Dr. Barclay talked about being hung upside down in a pitch black room and being able to take it all the way apart and put it back together. That is staying alert. That's being prepared. Being Gomer Pyle back there that doesn't know up from down. I mean, no one's afraid of that. But that there's a lot. There's a lot of Christians. I'm not saying no. I know it's nobody in this room. I'm just saying I've heard of people like that, that they're not prepared at all. And the devil comes and says, boo, and they go running like Where'd I put that Bible at? Honey, honey, quick, get the Bible. The devil's back. That's not being prepared. So anyway, the devil's the enemy. But here's here here's why another reason why I hate you. Number three is that he got kicked out of heaven. Do you realize that? I'm just trying to explain a little bit to you. He used to live in heaven and he got kicked out. Well, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Isaiah chapter 14. Let's just look at the story here. Because it is recorded and documented in Scripture. Isaiah chapter 14. Let's look back here. Isaiah 14. So Satan at one time was an angel in heaven. And Scripture tells us that he, he, was, uh, he was basically the worship leader in heaven. We know worship leaders can get weird sometimes. They, they grow beards and wear weird glasses and so on. Oh, I didn't see my brother in the back. Sorry. Anyway, uh, Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 13. And so Satan got kicked out of heaven. Isaiah 14, verse 12. 
How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Whoa! That's a pretty quick way to get kicked out of heaven. He said, I'm going to be better than God. My throne ought to be higher than his. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. And so here is Satan. He he rises up one day. He's like, you know what? I ought to be running this place. You ought to be bowing down to me. I ought to have a higher throne than yours. And what happened? Well, Jesus said in Luke 10, 18, mark it down, Luke 10, 18. He said, behold, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That means God picked that little twerp up and kicked him so hard that Jesus himself thought it was a lightning bolt. What was that? I mean, come on. That's a butt kicking right there. God wasn't going to put up with it. No wonder he's bitter. No wonder he wants to come out because here you are. You're saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe that God Almighty is the creator of the heavens and the earth. I'm going to lay down my life for him and serve him all the days of my life. And no wonder Satan hates your guts. He hates God. He's going to hate you. And he's going to try to mess things up. And you are going to think that it's other people. You're going to think that it's this unjust society. You're going to think that it's all sorts of different things. But all of that stuff is a distraction from who the real enemy is. And you're going to be out there chasing, you know, chasing fairy tales and all sorts of stuff. And not even realize that the real enemy is right here. Stay alert. Look out. For your enemy, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Satan got kicked out of heaven because of his pride, because of his ego. And he took a third of the angels out of heaven with him. For reference point, you could write down Revelation 12, 3 and 4. Go ahead and add verse 9 if you want. Revelation 12, 3 and 4 and verse 9. But it says the Satan, he took a third of the They followed him. And that's who is in his army now. Fallen angels, devils, demons, and they're, they're, they're real. They are out there. But the good news is this, point number four, is that Satan is not as powerful as he thinks he is. He's, he's got some power. He's got, he's got some things he can do. But listen to me. He is not all that he thinks that he is. He is defeated by the name of Jesus. And believe me, in the coming weeks, We are going to show you how to fight. I promise you, we're going to show you how to to spiritually fight. We are going to get to this. But what I want you to know tonight is that Satan is not as powerful as he thinks he is. Let's look at Ephesians 6.11. Ephesians 6.11. You know, I, I watch sometimes these documentaries of old wars and all this stuff. You know, probably not as much as some of you guys, but... I know I have some friends from the Netherlands, some of my best friends from college. They, they're from Holland. And they were telling me, like, man, you don't realize how much the people in the Netherlands love America. I'm like, really? They're like, oh, man, we, we probably love it more than you. I'm like, serious? They, they, and I was looking up earlier today. They've got a whole holiday to honor America. They love us. Why? Because Hitler was coming in to take over their entire country and guess who showed up? USA. We came in there and kicked him out and saved their entire nation. They love America. 
big time. And in fact, there, there's this, uh, they've got a whole graveyard there in this little town. A bunch of American soldiers did die there. I think it said 8,000. And they took it upon themselves. They made a decent burial for every American soldier that died in Holland. And to this day, 75 years later, they tend to these graves. They put flowers on them. There's so many people that want to be involved with this program that they've got a waiting list that's years long to even get the honor of putting flowers on an American grave. They love us. Why? We, I mean, you know, not none of us in this room probably, but we came, the United States, Hitler was going to absolutely wipe the Netherlands, wipe Holland, wipe Amsterdam off the face of the map because he thought he was all that. And then somebody a whole lot better came in and said, no, no. We're putting a stop, and we drove them on out of there. They love us. They have a whole holiday. I think, it's, I think it's in September where they go out like our Memorial Day for our soul. They go out and do it for for our American graves there, and they they tend to them and they they celebrate. They have fireworks and all this stuff, and it's not even celebrating their own soldiers. It's celebrating ours. They love us. Why? Because it's awesome when somebody stands up to the enemy. When somebody says you're not going to do that. You're not going to do it anymore. I realize you, you maybe did it to them, them, and them, but it's going to stop right here, right now. I love it when somebody realizes that the enemy, he's not all that he claims to be, and we've got the answer to it. So uh, Ephesians 6.11, New King James, says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, what does that mean, wiles? That means tricks. That means strategies. That means that the devil, he's not powerful enough to just come in and bulldoze us right over. Any enemy that has to resort to deceit and tricks and through the back door is not powerful enough to straight come in and just blow you off. the. He's got to be as tricky as he possibly can. That's what that word wiles means, like Wiley Coyote. He was tricky. He had to do all these trickster things to try to beat the roadrunner. He could. Why? Because he wasn't good enough on his own to get the job done. So he had to come up with all sorts of harebrained ideas. And that's what the devil does, because he's not all that he thinks he is. He's not all. And I mean, to some people, they let him come in and, and mow them down all day long. But it doesn't have to be that way. But any enemy that has to come through the back door has to trick you, has to divert your attention everywhere else just so they can pull one over on you. That means you really have more going for you than he has going for him. You've got the Lord of hosts. You've got Jesus Christ. You've got God the Father. You've got billions of angels on your side. Amen? And just, we're out of time, but First John 4, 4, mark it down. I'm going to just read it. It says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Come on! Greater is He that is in you, then he is in the world. He says, you've overcome. You have overcome because the one in you is greater than this one who is in the world. And the last verse for reference, I'll have him put on the screen, Revelation 20.10. Do you want to see what the devil's future looks like? Anybody? Here's, here's what he has coming to him. Because he tries to remind me of my past sometimes, and I say, whoa, dude, do you know where you're going? Revelation 20.10. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. You ever smelled sulfur? It reeks. 
That's what I'm telling you. Listen, it says the devil, his future consists of being thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. He's going to join the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And so that's what he has coming to him. I am not going to let him punk me around in this life. Tell me where I can go, where I can't go. You could never have that job. You could never have this. You could never. Says who? Says who? There's no way the devil's going to lie to me and get me to believe his stuff. Listen to me. You've got to realize that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Amen. We've got a lot of studying to do over the next few weeks. We are going to get into this. But you got to be here. Amen. Let's go ahead and stop there tonight. It's 8 o'clock. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.